This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Don't be a pussy. Laser my fucking tits. Welcome to The Girls on the Boys, a podcast dedicated to analyzing the Amazon series The Boys and the spicy world of soups and stereotypes. I'm Jen Adams. And I'm Rachel Reeves. And today we are talking about the penultimate episode of season two. I love the word penultimate. Anytime I can say it is a good day. Um, Season two, episode seven, Let's Go Fuck the Wife. Essentially, of course, (laughs) a.k.a. Butcher Baker Candlestick Maker. I do like this title. I feel like that's a that's it's a little clever. It's better than. Yes, it feels like somebody was having fun with this one. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they just are outsourcing these titles and like some of them are in the mood to be whimsical and some people are like, fuck it, just say like, I don't know, edge of tomorrow or whatever, you know? Yeah. And maybe it's like Twitter where they just like hire an intern, you know, and it's like, <laughs> sometimes you get a good witty one and sometimes you get a dud. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, for all this show has given me, if the titles of the episodes are my biggest complaint, eh, I'm probably doing okay. Not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's move in to our first category, Huey Cutie and the News. So, still a mystery as to when season four is going to come out. But in the meantime, um, there's still lots to talk about in the world of the boys. Gen V is out and has been getting surprisingly really good reviews, which is really encouraging. You know, it's kind of like, oh, this is going to suck if it comes out and people are like, yeah, no, thank you. But Mm -hmm. it seems like I've been avoiding a lot of things for no spoilers. Uh, But the general reception has seemed very positive. And um, on that note, uh, producer Pavan Shetty did a recent interview and had this to say about the idea of more spinoffs of The Boys. I don't know if that's necessary, but we'll see. Um, He said, (laughs) there's a lot of different areas from the books across time periods that we could really capitalize on. But I think the most important thing for us there is that we are really diligent and thoughtful about what we do next. We are really thinking about what the next show could be and how it could be thoughtful and fit into the universe and feel like it's a puzzle piece that fits in with everything else, but it's not just a show for show's sake. So that's interesting to me, but I don't know. Do we do we need more The Boys spinoffs? <laughs> I mean, I feel like... If it has like overlapping creative teams, then mm-hmm. yes, I would be 100% down for it because I trust them to give us something thoughtful. Like I like hearing that, that they they yeah. don't just want to pump out like a Homelander Winter Soldier or like, you know, the quantum, I don't know, Stormfrontness. <laughs> the or Dawn something. of the Seven. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. For a show that really like kind of has a field day with all of that extended universe stuff and just like the cash grabs, it would be really disappointing to see this spin into that, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think we've started to see it in the first two seasons, I think, and we're definitely going to see a lot of like social commentary in season three. And so if they can find a way to do that and to use this really fun and really kind of like explosive format to 
make some really like important points about the world right now, then I think that's great. Like, I think there's a lot to be said about kids or like people that are slightly younger than the superheroes we see in the boys, you know, mm-hmm. which is I've been really avoiding Gen V stuff too. I say that it's just October and I, it feels like I'm not allowed to watch anything that's not horror, you know? I know. It's like, gotta um, wait. <laughs> exactly. I was November. like, it's going to be there. Um, but yeah, that, which seems like maybe it's, it's talking about like university culture or, you know, kind of teen dumb you know and i'm down for that so i don't know what do you think do you want more more boys i mean i think it's interesting that he talks about like the history like time periods Mm -hmm. because i mean even just in this season they've talked about kind of the history of stormfront and i i mean i'm i love history and i think that that's kind of fascinating and since they have already sort of touched upon that that fits and it makes sense Mm -hmm. and it would also feel like something that's kind of self-contained and I do think that that's intriguing. Not sure necessarily what's happening in, you know, season three about history wise. But uh, so I, I'm open. I'm open to it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. And um, I also did want to just point out that apparently Shetty is also a producer on the new Goosebumps series. Oh. And um, that's the best thing I've heard about that series yet. So, <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard a ton about it, but, uh, you know, I haven't heard good things. I'm also yeah. not, I was much more a Fear Street girl. Like, I was a little too old. Mm-hmm. I was already reading Stephen King when Goosebumps came out, you know. All right. Well, let's move on to our next category, the name of the game. I don't know why I'm pausing. Like, like May is going to swoop in and just give us some time <laughs> insert, Like, some audio clips. Yeah, I know. Hey, May. Uh, today's episode is called Butcher Baker Candlestick Maker. I do kind of like this term. I'm not exactly sure what the baker is referring to, um, but... You know, it rhymes. It's fine. You know. Yeah. Good point. Our um our description is Congresswoman. I'm sorry, Congresswoman Victoria Newman's sham congressional hearing against Vought takes place in three days. Sorry, three days. All caps. Are we going to let her criminalize superheroes when we need them most? Sorry, I just realized what kind of tone I should be reading this in. <laughs> we have to stand up against such blatant partisan politics. Please join fellow patriotic Americans and send twenty dollars. <laughs> to votpromise.com to tell Newman and her kangaroo court cronies that they won't win not on our watch trademark oh wow that's not pointed and referential at all no it's not and I love 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 it because man I mean put a certain person's truth social at the top and it could feel exactly like what we see what we have seen today yep still still going on years later um yeah so this episode directed by stefan schwartz and this is not the first episode that he's done this is his second episode of the boys previously he directed season one episode five which was called good for the soul um and just a you know little refresh on him he's an english and canadian director it's done a lot of TV, including Nosferatu, Americans, Walking Dead, Dexter. So, yeah, TV guy. And I think that that shows here. Similarly, there's a lot going on in this episode mm-hmm. and a lot of big moving parts. And while I do think it felt a little rushed at times, but I can't really blame him because it's just like, well, got to get it all in there. So mm-hmm. I can understand why that would happen. 
Well, interesting. So these are eight episode series. And I think when I, I don't know if I just have Game of Thrones in my head, but Mm -hmm. I have like 10 episode series is kind of as what I think the norm is kind of like I just assume that a movie is going to be two hours even though now it's probably closer to 90 minutes do you think that we could benefit with more episodes to spread a little bit of this out or do you think that would be overkill I mean if it if the story calls for it like if the narrative of what they're trying to achieve calls for I would much rather have an extra episode than go through something and feel like they're rushing through it like I like I do feel like that's like I like this episode and I love I love parts of it but mm-hmm. there's moments where it's like oh I feel like I could have used more of that or mm-hmm. none of that either just don't address that or give me more like it felt like there was some moments where it was just like okay all right we covered Maeve okay now what okay now we're going to Starlight okay now let's go over here and so it you know you know, I'm not sh- necessarily sure that they couldn't have benefited to take a little bit more time and make it, I don't know, 11 episodes, but mm-hmm. no idea what that takes on the back end. I'm sure that's a whole, you know, millions of dollars that that would actually take to film a whole other episode and edit it and get it out there and all of that. So I understand, but yeah, still. Wouldn't- it's also like being at the penultimate episode too, like while I don't feel like this is a putting the police the pieces in order episode, like it it does deliver as a story on its own, and it is a satisfying yeah. episode, especially when we think about what happens at the end of it. But I wonder if a lot of that is just getting stuff set up, you know, and like there's a, a certain level of unavoidable penultimate episode is always going to kind of feel a little weird because I agree with you. I hadn't really thought about it until you said that, but. There are some things I think when I think about like Becca and Ryan, like there are things yeah. that seem to just kind of turn around. Um, yeah. And I wonder, I-, I think I might have an idea of what you're talking about when you say I could have done with none of that, um, which we might get to. Um, well, we're definitely going to get to it because yeah. that's what we do. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it. And it's also like, I think this is one of the reasons that I'm really enjoying the way we have the setup that you have not seen, you don't know what the next episode is because it's really right. hard for me to separate this episode from the next episode, you know, to yeah. the point where like what happened at the end, I could not remember if it was going to happen in this episode or not, or if oh, it was going to be in the next one. So I think that's a really interesting um, observation too. Well, let's move into our recap section. Sup with the soups. That's where I would insert some nineties wiki wiki uh, rapness. Because I'm very cool. Lots of flavor. Rapness. <laughs> Rapness. Yes. That's that's what the kids are saying now. I've recently also realized that I'm old. <laughs> oh, yeah. Me me too. It's yeah. it's hard sometimes. It is. But you know, we stay young in our hearts. All right. We're not as old as Stormfront. So, you know, that's we got true. that going for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of Stormfront. Homelander and Stormfront are dating and it's going well, uh, question mark. Annie is on the lam. Elena found the video of the plane going down that Maeve was planning to use against Homelander, and she's got some complicated feelings about it. A-Train is hanging with the Deep and the Church of the Collective. The boys found the Sage Grove Center and a soup with a massive penis, which is a secret facility where they're injecting subjects with Compound V and trying to stabilize the formula in order to make more soups. Lamplighter is there, and he's hot. 
which literally and figuratively. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ooh, I just, man, something about scrubs too. Like watching a man in scrubs looks hot. All right. Oh, back to the recap. All right. They make an uneasy peace and help each other escape, but not before finding out the truth about what happened to Mallory's kids and where Frenchie went that night. And it's very sad, but also feels kind of mm-hmm. cathartic. Um, Huey gets injured in all the chaos and Butcher, little, and Butcher and Annie begrudgingly bond over trying to save him. So that's kind of a cliff's notes of what's going on. Um, because, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that kind of culminates and it's not really working all that much together at this point you know like there's still a lot of like competing plot threads you know they're some of them are going to converge but yeah i have i have faith i have faith it's all going to come together and that's very exciting Mm because i love that just like seeing like how these pieces are going to come together so not mad about that well yes you're not going to be disappointed i don't think or at least i hope not i was not Well, let's move into our bad boys category. Actually, before we do that, I want to dip into shock and awe because I want to talk about what starts this episode out. And I feel like it's maybe the most on the nose political commentary that we've seen so far. So we hear Stormfront giving all of these interviews as a man who I don't want to say like lives in his mother's basement, but he is like the stereotypical like loner um just ripe for radicalization. And so we hear Stormfront giving all of these interviews about um I don't even want to say it because it's shit we hear all the time, but it's essentially yeah. like hard right wing MAGA talking points. Um like it's coming out of her mouth, but it could be coming out of the mouths of real politicians that we are hearing talking today. And this poor man, I say poor man because I do feel sorry for him, but he thinks that the person that he encounters at the convenience store every day, he sees a light flash in his eyes and that tells him that he is a soup and he shoots this guy and it is just brutal. It's just, oh, it's awful. So yeah, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this. I mean, it was definitely a very, like, shocking moment in the way that it, like, just brings you right back to reality, right? Like, yeah. I, I I do appreciate how the show does that, how there's plenty of humor and pl- plenty of silliness and, you know, dicks strangling people, <laughs> superhero mm. dicks and things. But then there's these moments where they take a second to actually like just blatantly make some out in the open social commentary that's impossible to miss and Mm -hmm. i do appreciate that because it's it's not letting the show spin too far i think out of its kind of initial what you know what initially kind of spawned it and Mm -hmm. so it's hard to watch and it sucks to watch but it's also very relatable and just seeing like that news cycle just like that perpetual just hearing the language and just you can almost like feel this guy's anxiety Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just like how he can't escape it and like what do I do like do I need to do something about this and then like finally finally doing that and it's just awful because it's like well what happens to this guy next like Mm -hmm. we don't know and Stormfront doesn't know but they're just out there spewing this language not I don't, I mean, I'm sure they know, but not really they don't having to deal. Yeah. Like having to actually deal with the ramifications and that's happening on a much smaller scale in people's lives. And that's just like very tragic and dark. 
but I appreciate it. Yeah, I do too. It's like reminding us that this is the point, you know, like, because it's so easy. And it reminds me of when Jessica guested and was talking about Homelander. Like, it is really easy, I think, for me to get swept up in the superhero of it all and the costumes and the dreamy people and like the, the drama and the fighting. And we, because we also have the boys, I think it's, easy for me to think well everybody that's not a superhero is with the boys and they're strong and they're badass and they're gonna you know and they're they're gonna find a way to keep going even when their life is hard and I think it is important for us to remember and for the show to not forget too that the majority of the people in the world are not on either of those teams they're just kind of caught in the middle and they're like well I heard it on the news like Surely it's true if this person I've been told is like my savior. Like I have literally been told that this person will save me. Like why would they lie to me? And like, I don't know. I want to ask how you feel about this guy because I don't want to excuse anything he does. He is a murderer um, and it does look like he, it was a premeditated murder. But I also think he's a victim of a lot of this radicalization And all of these things that Stormfront and Homelander know either aren't true or they know that they are embellishing and they're just trying to use this guy. Like Stormfront has just said, I don't need fans, I need soldiers. And that's exactly what she wanted to create. She wanted to create a guy like this who would Mm -hmm. take out the um, people of color or the BIPOC people that she does not want in the world because she's a fucking Nazi. So, Yeah, she's. Like they're straight up using people. They're Mm -hmm. manipulating and using people and not to excuse, you know, what this character did, what this guy did. But like he was manipulated into doing that, basically. And while Mm -hmm. they never actually, of course, would never come out and say that. And of course, we see them at that speech, right? Like, oh, we're so sorry for this guy. You know, we've made a donation in his name, Mm -hmm. you know, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. prayers. But like, that's they don't care they don't actually care mm-hmm. it's all fueling their larger agenda to get what they want which is more soups right yeah because ultimate and it's just fear-mongering it's mm-hmm. using people's fear against them and that's what they're doing like intentionally sowing fear and insecurity so that that will then fuel and get whatever they want to happen behind the scenes mm-hmm. and you know, they don't actually believe. Well, I think, well, I shouldn't say that. I do think they actually believe some of the things that they're saying, but not necessarily in the same context or what they're trying to sell it as, you know? Yeah. It's it's very flowery. It's it's racism, but it's, you know, and xenophobia, but like sugarcoated in a weird way for mm-hmm. mass consumption to be acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very like, will, if I say it, I will will it into existence too, you know, because I do think they believe, unless, especially Stormfront, I'm not sure what Homelander actually believes, but Stormfront, I think she believes like, if I just say this with enough conviction, then this ideology I have will become the truth. And then it doesn't matter if it's true or not, because if enough people believe it, then it is true, you know? And I think- both of I I don't want to speak for you but I know like I try to avoid being explicitly political a lot of times sometimes I mean I don't know unless you start talking about feminism (laughs) and then I uh you know but I feel like we kind of have to talk about this kind of stuff because the show is 
showing the danger of this. And I think it is doing a really, really great job of showing how dangerous this kind of, um, what's the language I'm looking for? Propaganda, you know, yeah. and putting it out on the airwaves and not having like a, a counter attack to it, you know? And I think we, we see this all the time, like, and it's, it's horrifying. And I think that is the ultimate point of this show is to show how cynical all of this is and to show how America on mm -hmm. your cape is, is propaganda, you know? And I mean, there can be like, there can be good parts of national pride, but like nationalism is really, really quickly turning into white nationalism and it's yeah. really scary and dangerous. Yeah. Know? It's interesting seeing like a show like this tackle it because they're having really like the language that they're using that we see Stormfront and Homelander using is like we've said, so similar, but you can just kind of plug and play certain elements, you know? So mm -hmm. instead of like super villains, you know, maybe it's, it's just like weapons, or like guns or, you know, immigrants, you know, and that kind of thing. And we have to protect our own and that kind of thing. And it's, it's just so, I mean, it's clever how they're doing mm -hmm. it because clearly, you know, while they're talking about, you know, we need more soups because there's super villains coming across the borders. So, you know, mm -hmm. we need to pouring protect across the yeah, borders. pouring across the borders. Like we need to protect our own first. Like it's just the ways that that can be kind of applied to so many other real wor world things is, mm -hmm. I mean, it's fascinating. So yes, they're talking about, you know, fictional super villains but it can also i don't know it's it gives me a moment to be really reflective and think about like this like this is terrifying because this is the exact same thing we're hearing in real life and just i don't know it's funny to see it in this context and then mm -hmm. I, I, yeah it's 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 terrifying but also i think it's executed really well so that it's not coming off as Oh, that's silly. Oh, they're, you know, their woke agenda or whatever people like to say, but it's just it's mm -hmm. just a, it's just reflecting society. Mhm. Mm and then adding superheroes into the mix. And I think that that's what makes this show just consistently intriguing and fascinating is the fact that it is so relatable even though it's dealing with superheroes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I think it does really well is really shows us the motivation behind a lot of this stuff, you know? Um, and I'm constantly saying like, oh, Homelander, he's so dreamy. Like he's Anthony Starr is great in this role. And I think it is, it's really easy for everybody else to get swept away in the glitz and glamour of it too. And just to remember, no, that there, there's a really, really dark side to all of this. And we can't, forget about that you know even though we might want to and know? and that's interesting i mean saying glitz and glamour because thinking about homelander and like stormfront i think is has a very specific agenda she's very calculated mm -hmm. she knows exactly what she's doing like as she said before i've been around i've seen mm -hmm. things i've learned and i believe that homelander on the other hand kind of like you mentioned it's like i don't actually know if he's believing all of this stuff but he's mm -hmm. just such an egotistical narcissist that he's loving being the center of attention and being kind of like the number one guy in the group. Like he's living off that. If it actually came down to it, I don't necessarily think that Homelander is blatantly 
intentionally racist <laughs> bias yeah. probably <laughs> you know yes but and i don't think he cares know. that much yeah but yeah i agree i don't think he had i don't know if i would call him a nazi i might call him nazi adjacent you yeah know? i do think he's loving all of this and he's loving being with stormfront and kind of that boost that this is giving his ego so you know he's completely complicit and guilty a hundred percent but as far as like who is more evil in this relationship i think stormfront is the one that's like gotta go <laughs> i think so too and let's move into our bad boys category and just talk about them because they really kind of work as a pair through this episode because i want to ask i agree with you i think stormfront is more evil or more like manipulative malicious but i wonder if homelander is more dangerous you know yeah because like i don't want to say this person's name but there's a certain former president that is like essentially homelander only much less it doesn't look at all like anthony star at all um but one of the parallels i see between the two of them is like what you were saying i don't know what homelander believes but he is very good at going with the flow catching the waves of power reading Mm -hmm. the room saying what he needs to say in the moment and i think that he just wants power i do think that he is racist and i do think he is a misogynist and i think the patriarchy has worked very well for him for a long time and he was designed to be that but I also think that he sees that's where the power is and that's what he is, that's what he's catering to right now. And I wonder if the power, if there were more power on the other side of the aisle or in another area of politics, if he would be drifting over there. And that's why with this particular politician, I'm not going to mention, like, you've seen this person kind of have different views at different parts of their lives because they don't actually believe anything. They just yeah, yeah, that's a good power, point. You know? He's also, he's just, he's reckless. Like, Homeland yeah. is like, you know, he's very emotional and is going to, we've seen him act out in multiple occasions and do things that, you know, Ashley's like, what are you doing? No, Mm -hmm. (laughs) bad PR moves, but because he's just hot headed and is going to, to react. And he's also, you know, seems like in the right circumstances, pretty easily manipulated. We've seen that with Stillwell. We've seen that with Stormfront now. And so you get somebody like Stormfront sort of pulling and tugging at his strings. And suddenly you've got this incredibly dangerous weapon um, who's already dangerous, but now you've just like aimed it in a whole new direction. And who knows what he's capable of when he's got somebody who is that calculating and meticulous about what she's doing you know Mm -hmm. wielding this weapon and that's kind of what's terrifying i think about homelander in this particular situation is what yeah what he could do with stormfront pulling all those strings yeah well and she's also like removing a layer of fear from him too because that's one of the things we've been saying from the beginning like his one weakness is insecurity and fear that he's going to i don't want to say get in trouble that feels too oversimplified but that yeah he's going to lose followers he's going to lose popularity mm-hmm. he's going to lose his status and she's saying you don't really need to worry about that too much it's just you just have to have the right people following you and so i think that it's like taking the safety away from the gun you mm-hmm. know like that was something that was holding him in check and like we see Maeve having this video that she's going to hold over her head or his head. And I just wonder if that's actually going to work. Like if if we've gone too far for that to happen, you know? Totally. 
because he's already thought through, we saw a couple episodes ago, we, he's already thought through the lasering the whole crowd, you know, so you know stuff like that is happening in his head. And I wonder, like, he's thought through the consequences of that as well. He just hasn't done it yet. It's so funny seeing them like as a couple, like when they fly in and they kiss in front of everybody and everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, because it's like worst case scenario couple, you know, yeah. oh, it's like the two worst people you've ever met started dating. You know? Oh, my gosh. And then, OK, so they pay a visit to Becca. Oh, and can you imagine like, yeah, Stormfront just shows up and it's like, hello, I'm your new mommy. <laughs> oh, my God. New, new girlfriend. <laughs> Oof, awkward. It's it's so funny because it comes on the heels of maybe the only time I ever feel a smidgen of sympathy for her. When she's looking at this baby, she's remembering, like, I can't imagine what it would be like to not age and everybody in your life grows old and dies, including your daughter. It's like, it's why, I don't know why I always think about Twilight when we're talking about these episodes, but it's like <laughs> Edward and Bella found each other, you know, mm-hmm. but like that's gotta hurt and that's gotta be hard. And so she's looking at this baby and she's remembering being a mom and I'd again forgotten what was going to happen next and I was expecting Homelander to say, well, you know, I can make babies. And that's essentially what he's showing her. He's totally. like, hey, I've got this kid, you know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like worst case scenario for all of this because i mean poor becca what does she do like kudos to her for actually standing up and saying like no i need to talk to you you know and i just can't imagine how terrifying it would be to say that with that level of conviction to Mm -hmm. those two people who could just fry you to death right there you know and she doesn't know who stormfront is you know yeah well question for that's what i was wondering does because stormfront we've learned like knows some things about Vaughn, mm-hmm. like in the background. Like, did she know about this? Did she know that Homelander had this son tucked away at this like secret base? I okay. I find it hard to believe that she didn't know. Yeah. But I also find it hard to believe that she would have known and not said something, especially once they started fucking and just flying all over the place, you know. And she told him about her daughter, you know. Right. So I don't know. I wonder if that is a, I don't want to say it's a plot hole, but like a a, a loose thread, you know? Maybe. Yeah. Because it's just, I would think that the second that she found out about that, like for her and her agenda, right? Her elite superhero society agenda, like that has to be so appealing. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, somehow this, the, the V has evolved and you're able to procreate. Now, maybe that's not necessarily with another soup, but the fact that it can happen, like, suddenly I would imagine that that's very enticing for her. So I can just feel her, like, drooling the second she finds out, like, oh, he has a kid, and it's Mm -hmm. a soup, and he's got powers. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, (laughs) and he's a cute kid, too. Well, and also, like, I think the one thing that I kind of question about Stormfront's whole agenda, like, we need more soups, that's going to give more people power that will rival her, you know, like I, and I'm sure she's considered this, like she is going to make sure they get a dose that is not going to be able to overtake her, you know, but I also think like if she can find this way to make it genetic and to make like the pure bloodline, it's almost becomes like soup royalty, you know? And so that I could see being very appealing to her as well, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. 
She also wants to be mean mommy and just totally steamroll Becca. And man, I I don't think I've ever hated her as much as I have in this episode because oh, I just want to punch her in the face. Oh, it's yeah, she's so rude. And they just her and Homelander just completely undermine Becca. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because like she's Becca pulls Homelander to the side because they they want they want to take Ryan to the outside world and they're you know they're trying to tell Becca like he needs to see these things and Homelander mm-hmm. he has has this conversation with her and like this is what they did to me and like when I found out the truth like it you know rocked my world and it feels yeah. very genuine mm-hmm. and she it's a fair point yeah, yeah. and it, and it, it totally makes sense and sh- she also makes some very valid fair points and raises her concerns. Oof, but they just do not care and it's just yeah. so cold and i i don't necessarily know if homelander would have done that unless stormfront was actually standing right there unless he had like i don't need you anymore mm-hmm. like yeah she isn't he like i have this other woman who could be a mom like thanks mm-hmm. thanks for doing yeah. all this work appreciate it like we i know because i think i think beck even says like i know how much you value like a mother like i'm his mother mm-hmm. like you didn't have that and he does like that's a difference and he but now stormfront's gonna take that place question mark i don't know gross yeah well and that's the one thing i think he's not interested in with ryan is any kind of nurturing he wants to and i agree i think if stormfront hadn't entered the picture he would be totally fine to take his like perfect family vacations and just to show up and get some waffles and then zip on out and let this be like a little pocket where he can kind of escape the pressure. And again, he is a bad guy. I'm not excusing anything he does, but I could see the appeal of that. And then maybe as Ryan gets older, because she's going to have to tell him eventually. And I think Becca knows that too, you know? Um, But, you know, that was one of the things that I think felt rushed to me or felt like a very quick turnaround is that it does seem like Homelander understands. And like, as I was watching this conversation, it just made me really glad that I don't have children with somebody I'm not with anymore, you know, mm-hmm. because like you've got to, you have to be on the same page. It's, it's the best thing for the kids. And I've seen like separated couples really struggle to find things to like about each other for the benefit of their children. And I think this conversation really shows how hard that can be. Now, also, this is a completely different situation. And Becca would not be here if she had a choice in the matter. But um, I think Stormfront definitely started talking to him after they flew away and was like, well, no, I mean, you can pull him out. Like, they'll love you. They'll see you as a dad. Like, mm-hmm. you can be a hot daddy. Think about all the memes, you know. And I'm I'm kind of glad we didn't see that, you know, because I don't know. It's like there's something that I'm oh, it's like um in The Little Mermaid when Vanessa comes up from the sea and you see Eric and he's got like the glazy eyes, you know, and he's like, we're getting married today. And you can tell that like he doesn't care at all. He's just yeah. kind of going under her spell. And that's kind of the vibe I get with Stormfront is that she's she like you said, she's pulling all the strings and her strings right now is like, I want to be a mom and this this will be good for us. So screw Becca, you know, and also, screw Ryan, really, because it's not good for him either. No, not good for him. It, it And it makes homelander that much more special right like she earlier they were like you're the one like you are what we always dreamed of and now he has a kid in the mix and they could Mm -hmm. be that kind of 
nuclear sort of superhero family like there are none like no others of those like that just makes them even more appealing and homelander more appealing as far as like marketing right Mm -hmm. and totally gosh but yeah i don't know ryan does flip pretty quick on becca but i guess he's maybe it's just he's at that age like they they take him up and they're like hey look see all this this is all fake see there's the wall there's the guards see your mom's been lying to you and then yeah i guess ryan's just like hey right which i don't i feel like actually you know when i was that age maybe that was maybe that's not as un unplausible as it seems like at first oh yeah my kids are nine and nine and eleven yeah they'll turn on you (laughs) and they'll feel bad about it later and they'll consider but they just they don't have the the frame of reference and I imagine that would feel like a really big betrayal you know I could have had friends you know I could have been going to theme parks and you're keeping this away from me and he can't understand why you Mm -hmm. know also want to say um fuck the blind side (laughs) I know although I do love he's making these little lego live action lego movies in terms of endearment let's see i know <laughs> so cute mm. uh, but yeah th- those are some chick flicks that she's i i really am impressed with her just like no we're gonna watch the movies i want to watch you know these are this wasn't is all there is to be here i'm gonna watch it <laughs> if if it were me it would be like a never-ending loop of like terminator 2 dirty dancing and a few good men and flatliner and just all of these movies are oh, so cute obscure, little but... Lego. No, but he puts baby in the corner. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh, that would be incredible. I feel like we should do that. I've got a lot of Legos in my house. We can make this happen. Well, is there anything else we want to say about our power couple from hell? <laughs> yeah, not nothing good can come of this that's that's all but i but i also love it but i hate it but i love it (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh yeah well let's talk about uh dr vogelbaum actually no let's skip that because that's gonna lead us i think into our boys so let's talk about the deep and a train and alistair and i think we can talk about them all as as a collective if you will (laughs) yep because man they're getting in deep with this um this stuff i love that a train brings him a fish who already knows his name it's very it's very cute actually (laughs) it really is and very pandering like Mm -hmm. he's clearly like oh deep has some power now yeah i gotta start being nice to him but to watch a train like kind of like I don't know all of this stuff wash over him to watch him like watch all of these relationships and like how can I use this do I want to use this like right. how are you feeling about where a train is with all of this right now I mean it's smart I'm not necessarily convinced that a train like actually really wants back in the seven like I mean I think he does but he doesn't I think but he doesn't all- know anything else, yeah you know yeah, and so he he's feeling it out, and that's smart. I mean, it's it's showing that he is smart, and if he can use these people, great. But I think mm-hmm. you're right. I think he's weighing like, I don't, I don't know. Like, is this going to end up biting me in the ass? Like, is this the mm-hmm. way I should do it? Like, he's, I think he's undecided, understandably yeah. so, because he's hearing one thing from the deep, but then. You know, and another thing from Alistair, and he's, I think he, some red, Alistair's throwing up some red flags that A Train's picking up on, but are just, just flying over the deep's head, just flying, just mm-hmm. missing all oh, of them. Oh, yeah. 
Because Deep is, well, he's, I think, he's he's in the honeymoon phase, too, you know? And they're they're really full-on courting the Deep in a way that I don't know if they quite are with, home, with A-Train yet, you know? But also, like, so we see Eddie the Archer, who, and I love the way this turn happens, because Alistair's like, hey, what do you think about him? And this reminds me of, like, when I was 10 and would just tell anybody that, like, I, I liked New Kids on the Block. No, I didn't like him if they didn't. Like, I would just <laughs> yeah. go with whatever their opinion was, you know, as a child. Um, but I think we see how quickly Alistair will turn on someone in the Church of the Collective will. And, you know, I also think it's worth noting that we, these are two men of color that we have seen in a very rare field or yeah. a very, like, a rare demographic in this area. And also, A-Train is one of the few soups we've seen that still has a relationship with a family member. Right. So I imagine there's part of him that's like, wait, hold on, if I don't, if I won't cut Nathan out, are they going to turn on me too, you know? So that would be a huge red flag. Yeah, the fact that, yeah, so Eagle gets excommunicated for refusing, mm -hmm. I think this is what they said, it was like just in the background of the news broadcast, I think, for refusing to cut off a relationship with his mom, mm -hmm. which, yeah. you know, that is very, I mean, that's abusive behavior, right? And very cult yeah. behavior, like cut your ties mm -hmm. to these other people in your life. And yeah, and then Alistair's trying oh god the deep is so funny <laughs> just the fact that he's like oh he's one of the best friends i've ever had like i would do anything for him oh I, don't you think he's a little toxic yeah i don't know maybe he is a, you're right <laughs> like he was what? giving off some weird vibes yeah, yeah like just complete 180 and just follows mm. alistair and whatever he's gonna say and the church which is also interesting to me because mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure. I guess they gave him his wife. I was like, what if the, what has the church really done for him other than just make promises? I guess they got him a I guess they got him a wife. Well, they did, and that's what I think is interesting because they did really help him through some body confidence issues. Like I think yeah. that, that that whole weird or not weird, that that sequence where he's singing with his gills, I think that did really help him. And I think that they have kind of helped him start down the road to understanding why he got kicked out of the seven. And I think that is what is so insidious about organizations like this. And I love the show kind of showing that is like they, they get you in the door by helping you just a little bit and by giving you some good things. And I don't know if this is quite love bombing, but like mm. they have helped him in some ways, but how easily that can turn toxic and they weren't doing that for your benefit. They were doing it for them because and I don't even know if they knew why at that point. But it's so funny to see Deep like flip flop on um on Eagle the Archer and totally buy A Train's flip flop on him, you know, because A Train has abandoned him when he got kicked out of the seven. I wonder how close they were before. They kind of seemed like they were on the same level. And if anybody in that group were going to be like bros, it yeah. would be the two of them, you know. But I mean, we haven't seen them have any contact since Steve got kicked out. And now he shows up with this fish and it's just such a, sha <laughs> a shallow, mm -hmm. um, like, play for his attention and deep is just so stupid he's so stupid and it's you know it's like is it a test just for deep to like see if he's gonna like remain loyal or see if he's actually just put as you know putty in their hands as he appears to be and the i guess the answer is yes because mm -hmm. even though this guy was the one who came and 
kind of brought him into this and helped him and recruited him. Now, apparently, the Deep's like, ah, screw that guy. Yeah, you're right. I'm going to stay with you guys instead of this person. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think A-Train... A-Train sees all this, I think. I don't think he's going into anything blindly, but at the same time, I think he's probably also like, I don't know what the fuck's going on here, but maybe I should just stick around and find out, like, and just Mm -hmm. keep an open mind, but also keep my eyes very wide open as well. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think A-Train is coming from a place of, maybe I should say it this way, Deep is coming from a place of a lot more privilege than A-Train. And so he doesn't have to be on the lookout for all of these things in a way. And I agree with you. I think A-Train is very smart and you don't come from a place, that, come from the the humble beginnings that he came from and get to where he is without knowing how to work systems and how to like sit back and say, because I wonder if part of him is like, I don't know if I want to be involved in this. And there's a part of him that's like, how can I use this to get Totally. I want to be. And I don't say that in a negative way for A-Train. I feel like he, in a lot of ways, has been forced into having to think like that because nobody's going to give him anything, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But I do think this is maybe the most sympathetic I've felt towards A-Train in a while, you know? Oh, absolutely. He he hasn't done anything... egregious in the last few episodes episodes, he's just just hanging out well and to compare him like immediately after leaving the seven to uh deep immediately after leaving the seven i think is interesting too like he does seem to be very like how am i gonna play this what's next for me right Mm -hmm. well let's um i've got two more people on my bad girls list and i don't know i kind of put Ashley on the Spice Girls list because I like her in this episode. She's got a little moment. Um, this is going to lead us into our bad or our Spice Girls, but I guess we can. Yeah. yeah fuck it. We can do whatever we want. Totally. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Maeve and Elena because Ashley's sweet little moment um, that makes me actually really like her has to do with that. So Elena is leaving. She is upset by the video, and I completely agree with her. Like, she's saying it's not your fault, and it's not fair, Mm -hmm. but also I don't know if I can do this. And that is a completely fair thing for her to say, too. Um, What really broke my heart about this was Maeve when she said, like, you told me you wanted to see the real me, and this is the real me. I was like, that's why Maeve doesn't let herself get close to anybody. You know, it's like reinforcing all of those negative things that are probably going through her brain all the time. Like, I can't be in a relationship. I'm too fucked up. Like, nobody will ever love me. If I let people see who I really am, they will leave. And that's what Elaine is doing. And I don't think either of them are wrong for it. But it also is just, it just breaks your heart for both of them, you know? Oh, yeah. I, and it's funny, like, thinking about it. Because it's like, who else is going to understand? Maeve's mm-hmm. situation and what she's been through and what she does and all of that other than another superhero right mm-hmm. and I think I mean you hear about this with celebrities all the time it's like they date other celebrities and very I mean right now it's like the Taylor Swift and the big the, the football <laughs> player guy right and everybody's <laughs> yeah. like well it makes sense because they're both like superstars in their field so who else is going to understand that life and -hmm. those demands and what it takes and the time and the complaints and the pros and the cons like who else is going to understand all of that baggage other than somebody else who's 
in the same field or like the same ballpark. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, you can't blame Elena, but it's also just like so sad to see that like Maeve feels like she can't be herself, especially during this moment when she finally is kind of, I think at least partially publicly being herself. Like maybe Mm -hmm. she's, you know, maybe she's not the lesbian that they keep billing her as. Maybe she's more bisexual, but like she's, she's able to have an open relationship in this way. And now that she is, that person doesn't want to be in a relationship with her because they are seeing the real her. And like, that's just so frustrating and so sad and so like the anger on both of their parts makes sense but like I I also wouldn't you know if I was Elena it's not like I would tell her to stay <laughs> or like if she right. was my friend it's like yeah maybe you got in over your head like maybe this isn't the partner for you and you're being honest by saying that just being like I can't I can't deal with this <laughs> right yeah and that's totally fair for her to say like because Elena doesn't owe her love to Maeve because we know that Maeve is a good person, you know, and I don't, I don't think either of them owe the other one anything. But like, when I also think about, you know, Maeve was in a relationship with Homelander, we just haven't seen it. And I'm sure that it was an abusive relationship. It was a coercive relationship too. And I think that a lot of what is, what is like really driving Maeve is this like, PTSD from this relationship with Homelander and really trying to extract herself from this and it just kind of reminds me of some relationships I've been in after some really negative ones like it can be really hard to date someone who has been in an abusive relationship before and it's not fair to anyone it just sucks and Homelander is really the one to blame for all of this and it's just more of his toxic negativity just continuing to cycle out and it's almost like with that kind of thing you just kind of have to let it cycle out and roll through it all and just hope that you're strong that your connection with each other is strong enough to still be there at the end of it and and sometimes it's not and it it sucks but that's just kind of reality you know yeah and I think it's also like I think Maeve finally had like Elena was her kind of her inspiration and her motivation to stand up to Homelander, right? Mm-hmm. And like take the stand and actually put her foot down in some ways. And now that Elena's gone, it's kind of like, well, why would I do that now? Right. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of, I think, not only did she lose the relationship, but she kind of, I don't know, it seems like she was gaining some strength in some ways. And now it's kind of like backpedaling a little bit or backsliding a little bit. And it's just like, oh, can't she catch a break? I know. Backsliding into some hot men, too. Some lasagna. (laughs) Oh, some brave Maeve lasagna. Oh, my God. (laughs) I love those little moments. Like, oh, my God. Of course, they would market that, you know. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of Butcher in a way, too, when he lost like this this purpose of fighting for Becca, you know, it's like she finally had something to do, some drive, some purpose other than just getting through the day and not getting burned by Homelander. And now that's gone. And the moment I want to mention Ashley on, and I do kind of feel bad that I put her on the the bad, the bad girls list, the bad boys list. Cause she, she comes in, she sees Maeve, um, you know, the, the, maybe not the walk of shame yet, but She's definitely going to have a hangover and maybe some regrets. 
And so Ashley just starts kind of clicking through like, oh, hey, we've built this whole marketing campaign around your relationship. And I think maybe that's a lesson for Ashley. Like, you can't force people to be married to each other and to stay yeah. in love with each other, you know? Yeah, it's not, not May's fault. Yeah, not everybody's just going to take that money and stay like, you know, like mm-hmm. Deep's wife, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Elena yes, is yeah. a person of principle and has some 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 values and standards, I guess. And yeah. Yeah. So poor Maeve, but I, I did appreciate her just like, I felt like she was very real in that moment. Like she's, mm-hmm. she knows what she's doing. She's escaping into these beautiful men in this giant mm-hmm. bed and just vaping and <laughs> drinking yeah. and like drowning her sorrows and like totally get it. I, yeah. I get it, you know, get it girl. And, um, but also mm-hmm. just letting Ashley know, like, just, just be what does she say like just be human for once human being yeah yeah like I broke up with her and like I'm devastated like just let me let me be for a minute and right I liked that Ashley did (laughs) yeah yeah and I mean I think there's probably a cynical part of her that's like well yeah I can't I can't control this but also I think she realizes like Maeve's crying yeah like that single tear falling down it's like also, I could imagine Maeve wanting to say, yeah, if I could fucking get her back, I would. She would be here right now, but I can't. It's not my fault, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I like I like that moment for Ashley. Um, I would like to see more. Mm, but But I also think it shows that there is still a human being inside Ashley, too. And it, Ashley is a victim of Homelander as well. You know, she's... Homelander was the one that was really pushing this brave Maeve thing too. And so every time something doesn't go your way, it's like this fear that comes into Ashley's eyes, you know, and she's Mm -hmm. like, oh no, Homelander's going to kill me. And you know, that's the first thing that comes into her mind. Just like what kind of working environment that would be. Yeah. God. (gasps) Oh, um, all right. Well, let's, we mentioned Butcher. Let's talk about Butcher because his storyline I'm wondering, it can lift out a little bit of this mm-hmm. episode. And I'm wondering, is this what you were talking about when you said some things I could stand to see less or none of? Yeah, no, totally. I feel like, like, I mean, obviously, I don't know where this is going or if some of this is going to come up. And we do learn some interesting things by this mm-hmm. kind of interaction with his parents. And, you know, that his dad is dying, but not dead yet. Mm-hmm. And his <laughs> and, mom lied about that, too. Mm-hmm. Which is... His mom lied about it to get him there and, mm-hmm. you know, Overseas? all that. Yeah. <laughs> Just... like, that's and... not a quick flight, you know? And, like, it's interesting. Like, don't get me wrong, learning about Butcher's backstory. But at the same time, it, with when there's so much going on in this episode, I'm not necessarily sure that I just need to see Butcher angry and pissed off and bitter and aggressive again like yeah i've seen this like i i like this is not a butcher i like or appreciate i don't know if this was as necessary as it was Mm -hmm. at least not knowing anything in the future at this moment in time i don't necessarily know if this was necessary Yeah, I agree with you. And I do know what's going to happen in the future. And I think, and it's not necessarily that I think it's not necessary, but I don't think it's necessary now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like of everything that we've got going on right now, I wonder how much it's, uh, we need Huey to save the day by himself. Mm -hmm. And so we got to get Butcher out. And so let's kill two birds with one stone. But I don't know. It just seems, it also seems really heavy 
yeah. for an episode that seems to be really moving forward. You know, like it it almost kind of stops the episode on a really dour note. Although I do like seeing this window into Butcher's past, you know, mm-hmm. like because I was just editing one of our episodes today and we were talking about, well, if Becca didn't make Butcher the way he was, what did make Butcher like this? And I think we're starting to see some of that, you know, because his dad is a piece of shit. Yes. And I don't know if his mom's that much better. Although I love the actor. John oh, Pope. yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, he's great. I saw him in, um, what was the after Lo- the show after Lost, J.J. Abrams show. Oh, Fringe? Like, Fringe, yeah, yeah. That's where I first saw him, I think. Yeah, Fringe. loved him in Fringe. And, yeah, like, Joshua he's Jackson. usually great. So, I like, I appreciate a good cameo. So, like, I loved yes, him popping same. up in that capacity. But, yeah, not a not a good dude. And just kind of riles and, I think, dredges up a lot of things in Butcher's past that for, you know, maybe he's dealt with maybe he's not but doesn't like revisiting mm-hmm. <laughs> like those are not pleasant memories it seems like growing up and does not have maybe the greatest you know reaction that we get out of yeah. butcher and so yeah I, I i yeah i liked learning about his brother even though it's sad yeah and i did think his mom was kind of I like their accents. <laughs> I do too. Yes. And I get where she's coming from too, you know, and I, you know, I don't want to get too personal, but I've kind of dealt with like this kind of dynamic before, you mm-hmm. know, and how much responsibility can you place on the the partner in that yeah. relationship, you know, and I'm not saying zero, but also it's not totally her fault. But her goal, she I think her goal is really interesting. She's like, I didn't do this for him. I did it for you because mm. I wanted you to see how pathetic he is. And I, I just I keep kind of turning that over. Like, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? You know, it's like you said, do I need to see this right now? Do how is this going to help me or is it just going to rip open a wound? And her, the mom doesn't know what a catastrophically bad time it yeah. is for this. But I don't know. Also lying about lying to get him co- to come back that I think just started off on the wrong foot for me. It's like, yeah, there, there is a lot of react. Well, you know, I guess there's a lot of parenting issues in this episode, I mm-hmm. guess in general, like, you know, butcher and obviously Homelander, but then I think We've got Dr. V and yeah. even like, I think Huey mentions his dad. Mm-hmm. Isn't that this episode? Like Huey's mentioning it his is. dad at this point and MM, you know, Grace is telling him like, just go be it, you know, go to your family. Just why are you doing this? It's like, just be with your family. Like, you don't have to do this. And so it's kind mm-hmm. of like, yeah, I'm not exactly sure what the message is there, but there seems to be a lot of conversation around parents and parenthood and that kind of thing so yeah, yeah. It, I, it's fitting i guess then that after this he does go and see dr v mm-hmm. and- i wasn't gonna try to spell vogelbaum i was like no we're just gonna talk yeah no v. yeah <laughs> no yeah don't vogelbaum yeah. who i wasn't necessarily expecting to make an appearance <laughs> i wasn't either yeah and i mean it will be his last but yeah let's let's move into uh we're going back to the oh no we're in the spice girls list that's yeah, right yeah, yeah. um let's talk about grace mallory and dr v and i think that's interesting i hadn't really put the through line of parenting and like responsibility for your children together yeah. 
And I, I think a lot of it is just like there isn't an easy answer, you know, mm-hmm. and there isn't a, a one size fits all kind of thing. And, you know, I say that even with my own kids, like each kid needs a different thing. And you the key, I think, really is to knowing your kids and being open to admitting failure and then keeping going forward. And, you know, this is the most I've liked Dr. V in a while, too. I know we've only seen him in a couple of episodes, but yeah, he seems, I mean, he's, he's in a wheelchair now after Homelander's last visit, but he seems very like kind of cowed and like, no, I, I have realized that the stakes are very, very high, not only for me, but for everybody I love and I am out. I don't want to do this anymore. He doesn't yeah. say I was wrong, but I definitely think there's a lot of regret that is kind of filtering through his mind right now, you know? Yeah, no, totally. And and like he's just realized similarly, I think with Grace a little bit, just mm-hmm. that there's there's more there's some more important things in life. and. I can recognize that this is a moment that I can use to kind of step aside and I'm going to take it because I want Mm -hmm. to protect my family. And, but then here comes butcher and here comes grace. And they're all asking him to basically flip on Vought and testify at this hearing. Right. And testifying Mm -hmm. that they knew about the V and the experiments and all of that stuff is isn't that right isn't that the motivation yeah, that's like right. they're just, mm-hmm. just, just i think the, that's what he's going to say yeah yeah just the congressional the overall hearings. evilness of it <laughs> right as somebody directly involved obviously that would carry huge weight but then mm-hmm. he knows that um that would make him a huge target yeah and that it wouldn't be just him that they came after it would be his wife and his kids and his grandkids and it's not worth it to him yeah and then yeah and then butcher waltzes in and i didn't i don't like it when butchers like this <laughs> i don't either yeah this is when i think his his pain overclouds his judgment you know yeah overshadows yeah and just like threatens all of his family and just like basically blackmails dr v into to testifying at this at this hearing and mm-hmm. i mean i guess it worked but it's just like at what cost like yeah you know, is Butcher is Butcher becoming his dad? And like, oh, yeah, you know, he's recognizing that and hating himself for that, but also thinking that, well, this is just who I am. Like, this is yeah. what I was always destined to be. Like, that's might as well get something out of it. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Didn't didn't like Butcher necessarily in this episode, but I felt bad yeah. for Doctor V. The fact that he's he was doing this to protect his family. Yeah, but ugh. well, and what's interesting is testifying is the right thing to do you know like he should because it's and it's like that bubble we were talking about at the beginning it's like when you just see his fancy house and you see his kind daughter like giving coffee like it's easy to forget about how much pain he has caused to so many other people like he is responsible for the way homelander is so anybody who has died at homelander's hands like that plane crash could partially be laid at his feet too because he has done all of these things and I think like yes I do think it's noble of him to want to protect his family even though it means like he I don't know has to kind of live with this pain and like take himself out of public life but I also think like that it's not Mallory's Grace Mallory's fault for wanting him to do the right thing it's his fault for 
getting involved in all of this stuff. Like he is the one that has put his family in danger. And I think, and I'm not saying I disagree with what he decides, but I'm just saying, I think he has realized how much danger his actions have put his family members in. And he's like, I just, I, I want to do the best I can for them now. What did you think about his interaction with Grace? Because there's almost like this kind of sweet, like friends yeah. across the, the aisle or across the line moment that they have, you know? Yeah. They're both like retired. They're out of it, you know? Oh, totally. And, and But I think the big difference between them and what ultimately motivates Vogelbaum to, to, to not want to help and then motivates him to help is the fact that he still has family around, right? Like Grace mm-hmm. has lost those people already. Like I'm assuming her, I don't actually know. I mean, her grandkids were killed. But like, but I don't think we've ever her seen kids her children. Yeah, yeah like are, so. whoever the parents were, like, are they still around? Yeah. I'm not sure. But she's already suffered a massive loss, right? Because mm-hmm. of this life that she leads. And Vogelbaum hasn't necessarily. And so I think that they're coming at it from two different places. But I think that they are also coming at it from like, they, they just understand they've been in this game, this very similar game on coming from opposite sides but they understand the risks and the weight and i think there's just an honesty there between them where Mm -hmm. he knows that she's not going to bullshit him and vice versa and so i think that that's very sweet to see in some ways yeah (laughs) um it's interesting too if we look at stormfront and homelander coming from like different generations and then what grace says to mm which i love that she calls him marvin i, I know so yeah. sweet um but like she's because he's like no we're so close she's like no it never ends it's like we're coming from two fundamentally opposing sides and like there's always going to be a storm front there's always going to be a homelander there's always going to be something and you just have to choose how involved you let yourself become and sometimes you can't choose sometimes you just have to kind of give everything because a lot of people don't get to choose that but I like that kind of perspective that she has it's like no you think we're almost done we're almost done for now but y'all are going to show up at my door five years down the road too or somebody's going to show up on your door and pull you back in and it's just sometimes you got to take care of yourself um and she's not wrong it's like Elena she's not wrong to to want to do that yeah yeah Let's talk about all these people in conjunction with each other. I feel like the the plot lines are not totally intertwined, but it's difficult to talk about Annie without talking about Huey, without talking about Lamplighter. I would love your thoughts on Lamplighter in this episode because mm, love Sean Ashmore. Just absolutely love him. So yes. how are you feeling about Mr. Porn Watcher? <laughs> oh my God. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like this is a guy mm-hmm. who's been like hiding away from reality who I think has regretted a lot of the things they, that he's done, but he was kind of removed from it and nobody really knew what he was doing. So now that he's back in the real world <laughs> and realizes that there's not really a place for him here and he's mm-hmm. just left to kind of deal with the things that he's been doing for the past however many years and it's not taking it well. And I think he's depressed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, apparently he's just sitting around watching soup porn. <laughs> And his fun little titles in there, though. Yeah, and and is willing to testify, which I mm-hmm. think is interesting. He's going to, you know, testify at these congressional hearings. Um, but ultimately, makes 
a pretty sad decision that I didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily see coming. I was like, oh, that's, that's it. That's all we get. I was really sad too. Cause I was like, oh, Sean Ashmore, he's going to be a regular. Uh Um, We can't get too attached on the show, you know, cause they liked it. It's like Stephen King, you know? Yeah. Well, and talking about parents, like he talks about how like growing up, he was a prodigy and like his dad was Mm -hmm. like so proud of him. And even when he burned the whole house down, (laughs) burned the whole house down, but he was just so proud to have like a superhero in the family. And it's just kind of the weight of those expectations. And I think Lamplighter feeling like I've failed beyond any sort of recovery. Like there is no coming back from this. And, you know, they go to help him and Huey, who's been babysitting him, go to, you know, <laughs> he sneaks him into Vought. And when he sees that, like, oh, there's not even like, there's not a statue here of me. Like there's not even like yeah. a picture of me on the wall. Like I've... Even that that those those moments where I like he was a part of the seven and like maybe helping and that kind of legacy, like that's gone. Like they've mm-hmm. moved on. So like what is there? It's just yeah. so sad that he thought that there was no other way out mm-hmm. and just life was no longer worth living. And that was yeah. it. Yeah. And like what is it all for? Like what what has my life become? And it like when I think about all of the times we've seen him because we see we see a flashback when he was in the seven not in this episode but in uh the previous one i believe and like i just i see a lot of parallels with him and where mave is right yeah, now yeah like because he doesn't appear to be very happy in that flashback like they're kind of making fun of his costume and he's you know doesn't like evangelize it or anything and i just wonder like is this a future mave we could see for Maeve too, you know, if she, because we've got this plain thing and as much as like lamplighters, like responsible for killing these children, Elena is kind of saying Maeve is responsible in some way for letting these people die in the plane crash. And, and it's just like, it shows, I think the very end of Vought just really beating people down, even people that are superheroes, you know, yeah, it was really sad. But I did like I I did like his um back and forth with Huey though. (laughs) Oh, I did too. (laughs) Yes, yeah. In a really heavy episode, that was a really funny scene. Um, and I love the cut where, which maybe can move us into Starlight. Yes, Starlight, not Twilight. Always get those (laughs) mixed up. Um, when (laughs) you think that Huey is horrified because they just outed Starlight as um there or they called her a traitor, but it's just the porn that they're watching. Yep. Um, what are some of the titles? I think I wrote some of them down, like the deep, the deep licks a blowhole or something like that. Something to do with a blowhole. (laughs) So funny because, like, of course, of course, that would exist in this world. But like, Mm -hmm. I love that. like took the time to make them and you know (laughs) even though i'm sure you know it's all simulated or whatever but like the like i just love that that exists in this world because yeah of course it would so and that's apparently just yeah they're just sitting around like dudes do i guess (laughs) i I guess is that what y'all do boys if you're listening boys tell us (laughs) it's weird but i I appreciate that huey knows it's weird and it's like I don't want to do it's the middle of the day dude it's not even right (laughs) I definitely don't want to just watch it next to you because he's not 
He's not even using it as its intended purpose either. You know, yeah. <laughs> like he's just smoking and watching it. And like, surely there's other stuff to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I want to shout out Sean Ashmore too, because he's, well, he's gone from yeah. the show. But I just love this actor. I think he's so dreamy. And it was such a fun little cameo for this particular role too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about uh, Starlight. Let's start with her because she has a kind of a sweet little moment with her mom. I do not think her mom intended to um, cause all of the trouble that she does by telling Vought where Annie is. But it also shows, I think, how disconnected her mom is from everything that's going on. Like she has no clue what is going on in her daughter's life, you know? Oh, yeah. No, that was, I thought, executed really well. The fact that yeah, she, I mean, I think she just innocently, of course, called Vought and was like, hey, I'm trying to get a hold of Annie. Is it okay if I take her? And they're like, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> are you yeah, seeing definitely. her? Because, you know, they don't mm-hmm. know where she is. She doesn't have this tracker chip on her. They haven't been able to find her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically that they use her mom to find her and capture her. And I don't think her mom meant to either, but it's good to see them back together. I think it that, is. if nothing else, this incident brought them together again. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think kind of let Mrs. January kind of know why maybe Annie has been a little bit more mad than she would have expected, because mm-hmm. I don't think she realized how her one lie has really snowballed into like making Annie's life like basically unlivable at this point. Like she's she's hiding out right now. Um. But yeah, I do like the moment where <laughs> I love the little exchange with Huey when he opens the the cell door and it's like, oh, no, I still I was still want to date your daughter. I'm going to be very polite. You yes. Know? <laughs> it's super cute. Um, but yeah, so Starlight gets put in this room. And this is one of those times where I'm like, Starlight, you need to put a pin light in your pocket. So and <laughs> like problem solved. Like, come on, just yeah. something. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, have something something installed. I don't know. Um, but yeah, she's finally because Huey pulls the fire alarm. I think it's Huey that pulls the fire alarm. Or because no, the sprinklers go uh, off. Yeah, the That's sprink- what yeah. it is. Yep. Yeah. Um, so she's able to to burst out. And there's sweet little reunion in the hallway where she's like, oh. You came for me. And it's such like a mirror of the last season when Huey's like, no, oh, you came for me. And to think about like the stakes of what both of those choices mean for the other ones, you know, because if anybody sees Huey, he's dead, you know, or worse, you know. And it was just him, like just Huey. It was just him. And his Mm -hmm. mom (laughs) and her mom (laughs) just standing there. So the fact that he was willing to come like by himself like this guy like I, I don't think she knows at that moment about lamplighter who how yeah. he got in there but all she knows is that he came and that oh god yeah. it was just so sweet so yeah. sweet it's also one of these moments like you know we're we're on a horror network and when <laughs> i was talking about like when i pitched the show i was like i can make an argument that this is horror adjacent at least and when he cuts that hand off that's a, a moment of of horror that i very disgusting much but also so it just like shows again though that huey is actually like resourceful and quick on his feet and like thinks <laughs> you know, thinks of these things and is smarter than he gives himself credit for. Like the stuff mm-hmm. he comes up with sometimes, it's like, yeah, that was brilliant. Would yeah. I have like done that? No. Would I have 
like oh yeah i'm gonna break the bottle and gross um it also shows like how far he's come since we first met him that he was able to just like okay uh yep i'm gonna do that and here we go (laughs) and just exactly like that's yeah wild I could see myself just trying to drag that body down the hall with me because it wouldn't have even occurred to me to cut his hand off, you know, Mm -hmm. let alone with a broken bottle. But yeah. And I also think like this is happening under the duress of like any moment Black Noir can be there and just like rip his head off, you know. I I also do love the fact that like Vought is like got this just completely devious mastermind plan to take over the world. But... Mm lamplighter's print is still in the system from how many years ago and like it's still like active you know (laughs) it's like the little details that can like topple their empire but they're so big with like the high level thinking those silly Mm -hmm. little things you know at the lower level just go by the wayside and ultimately end up you know for you know freeing annie and you know having this massive effect and it's just it's just really funny and humorous to me because it's like yeah that that actually probably would happen (laughs) nobody would delete that (laughs) Totally. Yeah. It's like that hubris. Well, and they're like, well, I wonder, because he's technically still working for Vought too. And so, you know, even just kind of keeping him around. And it's like when Homelander's like, no, we need to go ahead and kill Starlight. Right. And I wonder, you know, Stormfront convinces him not to. He's like, no, she's more valuable to us alive. And now I wonder if Storm, that was a miscalculation on Stormfront's part too. True. Um, I two more things i want to talk about real quick but i love a good soup fight and oh, yeah. i love this fight with annie and black noir you know and i know that you're always wanting to see more black noir so how mm-hmm. do you feel about this moment with him oh my god i loved it no no i mean i don't love it because it's like fighting starlight but i love it yeah. because yeah soup fight he comes out of nowhere we get to see a little smidgen of a face mm-hmm. a little a little little lower third of his face yeah and that he's allergic to tree nuts and gets taken down and almond joy. Like, yeah. Like his kryptonite it, is almond joys. Yes. And it's uh, it's such a sweet little moment. Also, one thing I did not notice the first time, but did you notice the scars on his face? Yes, I did. So I, I have feel no like, idea what that is about at all. I feel like I we're getting say. <laughs> getting somewhere with that. Yeah. And yeah, so I that was so funny to me, and I love that it's clearly he's so strong, mm-hmm. and I've just he's such a he's such a mystery. It's like why is Black Noir just kind of like why is he doing this? <laughs> yeah, I don't want him to be this bad guy. Like I don't understand his allegiances, and if he's operating kind of outside of everybody, or I I don't I don't know, but. Yeah, love that. Apparently, he can't eat almond joys. So. Yeah, and I love that Maeve comes to Annie's rescue. You mm-hmm. know, but she's still not quite there. You know, she's not ready to leave it all behind because Annie's like, "No, come with me, join me," and she's sitting right next to Homelander in the congressional hearing. Um, which let's talk about actually before we get there let's talk about a sweet little moment between Frenchie and Kamiko not a whole lot to say but it just oh it made me love them and I feel like this what I want to say about Frenchie here is this is how you get people to open up to you you know is you make it very clear that you are a safe person to open up to 
And then you back off and you wait until they are ready. And that's when she's able to kind of show him how to how to say the word gun, which is so sweet. And and like I think that Kamiko's also looking at him differently because he, mm-hmm. you know, kind of not necessarily intentionally opened up to them about the past and the lamplighter situation and all of that. And so I think she's seeing things about him a little bit differently. And so it means even more now that he's you know, he's going on another stakeout and he's not abandoning his post this time and he's but he's mm-hmm. willing to do it and move forward and take her along with him and just have that moment and you know apologize and just, yeah it's just so sweet that he does that and it's it's refreshing to see her also accept that and also give a little bit too so it's like they're both they're both softening and it's very cute to watch yeah and I think the one thing that I wanted in this episode that I didn't get was I kept expecting M.M. to say, oh, by the way, Grace, here's where he was. And I don't think we've seen that yet. And I can't remember. I'm not. I, that's what I wanted when I when she yeah. because she gives him that little like don't abandon your post this time. And it almost feels like there's love there between them again, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll see more of that. Mm-hmm. I on, honestly cannot remember. I'm not actually teasing anything. All right. Well, let's move into the main event. We don't get a whole lot of Congresswoman Newman, but I think this might be the most we've seen of her other than the rally. Totally. So she's having a congressional hearing. So tell me how you felt about this hearing. This is one of the moments that I was like, I can't wait to get here because, oh, it's so awesome. I mean wild loved that they called back i mean obviously we saw this happen with rainer right the exploding mm-hmm. heads but i did not expect that many <laughs> yes just Ooh. all over the place seemingly no rhyme or reason or maybe that's intentional to seem like there's no rhyme or reason but there was so they killed the strategically killed like dr vogelbaum and a few other people and then just some randos sitting in the in the shockwave so shockwave for now yeah and but but newman is safe i don't know it's just a bloody mess and very on brand for the boys i feel like just excessive and unexpected and it's it's fascinating to me because this is a moment where it it, it felt like things were operating by real world rules right like vaught mm-hmm. did bad things we now have proof we're going to hold them responsible we're going through all the proper channels to do so mm-hmm. and then a bunch of heads explode <laughs> so it's like yeah how do you play by the rules when there are no rules mm-hmm. and i think that's something that newman and mallory and butch that butcher they're they're all trying to figure out because how can you possibly fight this thing if none of the the normal ways of operating and doing so are being effective. So I I loved it. And I cannot wait to see what the ramifications of this are. I don't necessarily know if I caught everybody that died, but it's just like such a definitive thing too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, well, they're gone. Like there's no coming back from that. So that was quite humorous. And I think that that probably says something about me that I found it really humorous, but. Oh no, I thought it was humorous too. Because (laughs) know they're not real people you know it's fun and and the effects look great you know i love the the guy who slips in the blood you know yes amazing disgusting but amazing and i love watching homelander and stormfront look around 
and are like, what the fuck is going on? And yeah. it's like what you're saying, like there is no rules and maybe this can kind of move us into good versus evil slash shock and awe because I feel like yeah, it's all yeah, kind yeah. Of a, a big soup today. But um, <laughs> like they are used to calling all the shots or at least being able to figure out a plan when they can't. But like what meme is going to get them out of this, you know, and it's it's really interesting to see them caught off guard. Oh, they're going to blame terrorists, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, they I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, because that's what's also it's like they haven't actually said who did that to Rainer or like how. Because it's like, how did they get into vocal bombs head? Or maybe it's always been there. Maybe it's been there since he worked there. I don't know. But yeah, poor Shockwave. I guess he was just had to do it for looks. They're like, we yeah. have to kill somebody and we're not killing Homelanders. So I guess it's this dude. Right. But he's a soup, too. And so yeah. it's not just I didn't think about that, like because you you watch Homelander and Stormfront clearly not afraid that their heads are going to explode. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if they could, you know? Yeah. I don't know, but it's fascinating. I can't wait to find I hope I find out who does it. I don't tell me. <laughs> feel like if I say any more about no. this hearing, I am going to accidentally, because I have almost accidentally said something and I stopped myself. I don't think I've revealed anything, but uh, oh, yeah, that I was, will ooh. say also, it's super funny that it was like on live TV and I love how oh, everybody, yeah. like they show, they cut to everybody like, all right, let's watch, let's watch the mm -hmm. hearing. And then it's happening. It's just like, what the fuck? And then B. Yeah. Technical oh, and then we get our song too. I know it comes our, back. Our heroes never die. <laughs> Man, uh -huh. And I listened to the whole thing. That is a good song. And she performs it very well. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's definitely a, a very shocking moment. I think executed very well. And it's one of the reasons I love this show because just when you think you know where something is going and you're excited to see something really cool happen, something else really cool happens that you had no way of predicting. Um, even though they told us that exploding heads was a possibility at the very beginning of the season because we saw Rainer's head explode. Yeah, and it, it's just letting us know, I guess, too, like, oh, you thought that was this was going to be resolved in, like, a traditional way? No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the boys. Right, Silly you. Right. <laughs> exactly. This is law and order. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the dent does out. It's just, like, heads popping, you know? <laughs> Well, is there anything else we want to talk about with shock and on good and evil? I know we've got um, some notes in here. I think we've covered everything I wanted to say. Also, yeah. wanted to shout out um, Almond Joy again because I love totally. Yeah, I think we touched on those things. Oh, I did want to say that I thought it was really funny and very um, shady of the boys when um, Stormfront is like, oh, can't he just watch like PewDiePie or something mm -hmm. like normal kids do? Because PewDiePie has like gotten some trouble yep. with nazi related things and i was like oh of course she would say that mm -hmm. <laughs> was, i mean it was a very like i guess what was this 2019 like a very 2019 like shady joke but i thought that was very yeah. funny that they put that in there and also that mm -hmm. that a Vautland exists mm -hmm. there's a, a a homelander roller coaster <laughs> Oh, we're going to see Votland okay. at some point. <laughs> Amazing. Because, like, of course there is, but also just, like, I love that there is. And, like, yeah, I can't wait if that, well, that's going to happen. So that's exciting because I would like to see that roller coaster and see everybody else's rides. I know. Yeah. I, w I want my own ride. Also, I want to go to Votland. It seems like it would be really fun. Mm-hmm. 
there are so many things. I'm very excited for the season finale, but there are so many things that we've talked about in this episode. And I have almost wanted to say seven different times, like, can't wait to, for you to see season three. I can't wait for you to see season three because they have a plan and it is glorious. I'm very excited. Well, let's move into Choose Your Fighter. So, Rachel, who's your MVP of the episode and why do you love them? You know, there was a lot of fun things that happened in here, but I kind of think that, I mean, I loved Huey in this. I love that mm. he, he was literally bleeding, bleeding through his bandage, mm. but mm-hmm. he was babysitting Lamplighter and then like didn't even hesitate. Like the second he saw the news thing, like he was getting his shoes on. Mm-hmm. Like not even, it's not like he sat there. It's like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? You know, it was just immediately like, we got to go now, mm-hmm. like after her, like he didn't even, he had no idea what he was going to do. <laughs> Until Lamplighter was like, well, I can get you in. I used to mm-hmm. sneak in college girls down here. But like, <laughs> but like, just didn't even hesitate and actually succeeded. And I just mm-hmm. think that that's just so sweet and just shows to the lengths that he'll go and just how far this character has come since we first met him. Because he would never have done that, I think. And he would he would have second guessed himself out of the whole thing. But so, yeah, I yeah. think Huey for me. Yeah, I think I'm going to pick Huey, too, you know, and I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember if he tried to call anybody else, you know, I'm sure he probably did. But you're right. Like the second he saw that Starlight was in trouble, he was ready to go. I also I kept waiting for while they were watching porn because they're watching porn about Starlight. I kept waiting for him to be like, well, you know, and he didn't. He doesn't. And I think yeah. that says so much about who he is, you know, respects her. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. This is just a great episode for him. And like their reunion in the hallway, like you can just see how much they love each other. It's so sweet. I wanted them to have a sweet little make out moment. I'm sure they will at some point. But yeah. Yeah. This was a really great episode for Huey. Want to give my second place mention is just love Sean Ashmore. I loved seeing him pop up and Frenchie. I think he was only in it for a couple of minutes, but man, this is. This is the Frenchie I think Frenchie wants to be, you know, and yeah. I love I love seeing him kind of past a lot of what has been holding him back, kind of co- becoming who I think, you know, he wants to be and who I want to see him be for Kamiko. All right, well, predictions. We got one more episode Ooh, in boy. the season uh, finale. I will tell you, it has one of my favorite moments in the entire show. Oh, my gosh. I cannot wait to talk about it. I can't wait to watch it again. Part of me wants to watch the episode right now so I can watch this. So cool. So what do you think might happen next and what are you excited to see? Well, I think now that Ryan is with Homelander and Stormfront, I think that news is going to break to the world and they're going to use that for all it's worth. And that'll be interesting. Come as a big shock to Ryan. Not sure how he's going to handle it, but I think that's what's going to happen. Um which I think will send Butcher back into Becca's sphere. Um, I think that Huey and Starlight are officially going to be back on because, I mean, come on. He shows up and saves you like that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, can only fight those feelings for so long. Mm-hmm. I think that 
I think, well, let's see. Shockwave's gone now. Does this mean that the Deep and A-Train are going to be back in the seven somehow? Dun, dun, dun. And I think that there's going to be, I think we're going to leave the series on the brink of an all-out war. Because they're gonna blame they're gonna blame this on super villains. The heads exploding. So I think that's what it's gonna be. Mum's the word. I am curious because I honestly cannot remember how this all played out. But like, she kicked Black Noir's epipen away. You know, like that tree nut allergies are serious. So I'm curious. Um, yeah, what's are they gonna recruit people to like turn like a like a like a draft or not a draft but like you can sign up to become a soup like like how are they going to turn people into soups like how do you apply to become a soup i don't know but I'm, yeah i think maybe i can tell you some qualifications <laughs> stormfront will probably want you to have that's true yeah um, you know white penis <laughs> yeah being one of them blue eyes uh, blonde hair <laughs> uh-huh yeah whoo soulless you know Mm -hmm. willing to do whatever she tells you well i will say cannot wait to talk about what happens like oh it's gonna get so good and it's already been really good you know so yeah this this that's why we wanted to do this pod because i just love the show so much (laughs) Ah, all right well let's wrap up with some plugs so rachel where can we find you online and what do you have coming up sure you can find me on twitter at vinyl girl g-r-r-r-l or instagram at the vinyl girl and yeah, on Halloweenies, we are cruising through Chucky Town and we're going to be covering the TV series. So I'm super excited about that. We get to cover all three seasons now and um, yeah, and other obviously lots of fun, spooky things. But that's the main episode for this month over on Halloweenies. Sweet. I, I, every time I think about that Chucky TV series, my brain goes, Devin Sawa. I know. Devin Sawa. <laughs> I love him so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me at Jim Ferratu on um, various social media places. You can find me co-hosting the Losers Club podcast. Lots of really fun stuff going on over there, um, including we're about to kick into. When this releases, we'll probably be in the midst of 11, 11 which is going to be really, really fun. Intense. You can also find, uh, yes, it's going to be <laughs> intense too. Yeah, lots of research there. Um you can also find me co-hosting the White Ladies in Crisis podcast on this very pod feed. And we are covering Fair Play this month, which I have not seen yet, but I've heard is very good. And I have a new podcast, because I don't have enough to do, you know, um, <laughs> have a new podcast called The Lady Killers. Um, so by the time this episode drops, we should have at least two episodes out now. Um, it's about female killers in the horror genre. Follow us at the Lady Killers Pod or the Lady K Pod. And uh yeah, we're covering Friday the thirteenth and it's probably out by this time, but trick or treat for oh, Halloween. Fun. And then we're tomorrow night we're recording on Sleepy Hollow. So oh, very cool. excited. I know. So super excited about that. Um for us. We want to give a huge thank you and shout out to the Anatomy of a Screen pod squad. Make sure to check out all the other fantastic shows in the feed. And we are going to be back in two weeks to talk about the season finale. 
so excited for this. Mm-hmm. So excited I didn't even look up the name. Also, I forgot. Um, but it's going to be good. Heads will roll, maybe even explode. <laughs> and until then, remember, you guys, you are the real heroes. Squad.